This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Staff this morning. They are such a huge part of our success here at Coastal and You know, Pastor TJ, he's been out and he's been visiting some other churches and encouraging some other pastors. And it's just so awesome for him to have the opportunity to get to step outside of of what's normal for us to go out and to encourage some other people. So thank you for giving him the opportunity to do that. And I promise he will be back. Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, where's Pastor TJ been? I was like, oh, he's applying for new jobs. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. But anyways, you know, we've been in this, in this series called Heroes, and we've heard about some pretty incredible people that are, that are listed throughout the Bible and just the incredible things that they've done. And, you know, as I was preparing for my message, I started thinking, and this is kind of random, but I started thinking about the nicknames that I've had in my life. How many of you guys have had a nickname before? Most, most all of us. Okay. So... I was thinking back when I was little, and I used to play on this traveling all-star softball team, and I played shortstop, and you know, if you play shortstop, like, you can't let anything get past you, and so anytime a ball was even in my vicinity, I'm like diving and like doing all of this stuff, and no ball would get past me, so my teammates started calling me the vacuum. Not because I cleaned up after them, but because anything that was in the vicinity of where I was, it was sucked into my glove because I was so good. (laughs) But so I started getting this nickname, The Vacuum. And then later on in life, you know, being out in the sun all the time, I had a lot of freckles. So guess what I got called? Exactly. Freckle face. All these nicknames. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. You know, TJ, his, his... TJ name is actually a nickname because his real name is Timothy James and I call him Timmy Jimmy sometimes just because I think it's funny but (laughs) anyways so what TJ really stands for is total jerk I'm totally just kidding but seriously he used to be a total jerk so (laughs) but you know what we end up with these nicknames in life and they're based on how people view us Or maybe some things that we've done in our life that kind of incorporate these nicknames. And I kind of look at nicknames like labels. And people have labeled us in our life based on what we've done or how we've acted or things that, that stupid things that we've done. And we get these labels on our life based on how other people see us or even how we see ourselves. And this morning, I want to talk to you guys about an incredible woman of faith who actually had a label on her life, and it wasn't a good label. It was a label that that she got based on how other people saw her and mistakes that she had made in her life. You know, we've heard about David, who was like the giant slayer, you know, because he killed Goliath. And then, you know, we heard about, I think, Joseph, who was the dreamer. And they had these these nicknames or these labels on their life, and this morning, we're going to learn about a lady named Rahab. And see, Rahab didn't have a beautiful past, but she was listed in the Hall of Faith, which is like basically the Bible version of the Hall of Fame. And so she's listed in the Hall of Faith along with like Moses and Abraham and all these incredible men. But Rahab's label 
how people saw her, her name was Rahab the prostitute. Now, I started thinking about, man, how did somebody that had the label of a prostitute end up with, like, Moses and Abraham, the father of many nations? And she had this label that was stuck to her, and it was Rahab the prostitute. And you know how I think this label probably started out in her life was because she made a mistake, probably. How many of you guys have made a mistake in your life? If you're not raising your hand... I don't know why you're at church, because you're just perfect, okay? So I made a mistake when I was little. I was like, okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but at like three or four years old, I decided I want to be a boy. And so I used to, when my mom would like, we would be out playing in the yard or whatever, and I'd be going out with my sisters, and we'd be going to play for the boy, with the boys, and I'm like, mom, I'm not wearing a shirt. Nope three, four years old, I want to be a boy. Nope. And so I would go out, and you'd see pictures of me when I'm three or four years old with all of the girls and all the boys, and there's Shayla, no shirt on. (laughs) Classy, I know. And so I wanted to be a boy. But see, when I got into kindergarten, I started having to wear shirts and, you know. So when when I got into elementary school, I, um, I think it was the third grade, the spike haircut for boys was super, like, trendy. So the boys were getting this spike haircut, you know, like where they cut their hair real short, they put all this gel and stuff in it, and it spiked up. And I decided that, like any girl who wants to be a boy, I wanted a spike haircut. And so I went home and I told my mom, Mom, I want a spike haircut. And she's like, no way, Shayla. And I was like, yes, yes, I want one. And if you guys don't know anything about me, if I want something, I will bug you until you say yes to me. And so some people are laughing because they know that. Um, so I said, all right, Mom, just take me to the, to the hair place. I'm going to get a spike haircut. And so she took me. She said, Shayla, this is your decision. And I was like, okay. So I go, and I, and I get a spike haircut. My hair was long, so I just got it on my bangs, like up here. And I went to school the next day, and I was so excited because I'm like, oh, I got my spike haircut, you know. And I walk into school, and the kids look at me, and they're like, you're a girl. Um, that's not the haircut you get. And they started calling me Spike. <laughs> and I went home, and I was, like, so devastated that no one liked my haircut. And so I'm like going home and I'm like, mom, they don't like it. We need to fix it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I start combing my hair down. But how many of you guys know if you've ever cut your bangs too short, it does not look good. And so I was combing my bangs down. They were about this long. And I looked like somebody that had a really bad mullet. And so I was devastated. But how many of you guys know that there are worse tragedies than a bad haircut? And some of you guys have faced some really bad mistakes in your life. You've made a mistake that has led you on this path, that has just taken you on this cycle over and over again because one mistake that you made led to something different. And you've just continued in this pattern of mistake after mistake after mistake. And you know what? I think Rahab, this probably happened in her life because she probably made one mistake. Maybe she went a little too far with the guy that she was with. And you know what, it happened once and then it happened again. And then eventually it was part of her everyday life. 
It was part of who she was. It was how other people saw her because one mistake turned in to something that just kind of shaped her life. And the first thing that I think sometimes labels us is our mistakes. And we get in this routine of mistake after mistake after mistake, and it can start off as something innocent, but then we just kind of get wrapped into it. You know what, maybe it was the first sip of alcohol or the first drugs that you took. And you know what, it was just going to be that one time. But you went out with those friends again, and you know what, you're in the same situation, and you do it over and over and over again, and now it's part of your life. It's part of who you are. It's part of the people that you surround yourself with. And I don't know what circumstances led Rahab to that, but I can guarantee you it started with a mistake. I can guarantee you that it started with letting things go a little too far. See, but the problem is that that one time is, is long gone. And now those mistakes and those things are part of our everyday, our weekly, our monthly routine. Because what happens with those mistakes that we make over and over again and we find ourselves caught up in is they begin to turn into behaviors in our life. They begin to be an everyday occurrence and something that we begin to do all the time. Because we let that one mistake get out of hand. And see what happens when we get into this cycle of bad decisions and this cycle of mistakes. We begin to identify ourselves with that mistake. And see, what happens is that mistake turns into a behavior which turns into our identity and we end up in this vicious cycle over and over again finding our worth and our value and how other people see us in the mistakes that we make. And I think so many times we just get into this pattern. You know what, maybe for you it was, you know what, you cheated a little bit on that report at work. You fudged some of the numbers because you needed it to look a little bit better so that you can advance some things. Or maybe it's not even something you did. Maybe somebody labeled you ugly. Maybe somebody says, you know what, you're ugly. You're just going to be single forever. You're ugly. And they put this label on you and you believe it and you believe that yourself and you label yourself that. Maybe it's somebody that looked at you and said, you know what, you're never going to be anything. You know what, you're not going to amount to anything. The mistakes that you've made, you're not going to be able to come back from that. And see, the Bible says in Revelations that the devil is our accuser. Like he is looking to find things in your life where he can say, that's all you're ever going to amount to. That mistake you made, that's all you're ever going to be. You're not going to overcome that. You're not going to get past that. That is all you are is that mistake. And the enemy's there just speaking that and speaking that and speaking that into our mind. But here's what I believe, is that even when all we can see is our faults, God sees our possibilities. He sees the things that he's designed and created us for. And see, I think Rahab so identified with this life that we identify with ourselves. Because I don't know anybody in here that hasn't made a mistake that kind of shaped how they viewed themselves at one point in life. And that was Rahab. See, I'm sure what started off as a bad decision in her life just began to spiral out of control. And that behavior began to turn into something that was normal in her life and created how people viewed her. Because that cycle 
ended up to be something she continued to do regardless of the consequences in her life, regardless of the moral dilemmas that she was facing, and it became who she was. She became Rahab, the prostitute. And I don't know what mistakes that you've made in your life that have led you to the place of how you see yourself right now. Maybe it was that you got divorced. And now all you can see is a failed marriage and you keep telling yourself, I will never have anything successful after this marriage because I messed it up. Maybe it's that you got pregnant at a young age and you look at yourself and say, I'm not worth anything more than that because maybe I messed up that one time and now my life is over. Maybe it's that, like me, when you were little, people called you bossy. Like, oh, you're so bossy. And now that you get older, it's a different B word. <laughs> you know, just saying. <laughs> but you know, so many times we have these labels that we put on our life based on how other people see us and how we see ourselves. You know, ugly. Maybe it's somebody calling you stupid and you're never going to amount to anything and it's never going to, ne- you're not marriage material. You've been single for too long. Nobody's going to want you. And we begin to hear these things and identify with those things. Maybe it's that you were doing really well financially and you made a bad financial decision. And now what happened is something happened, you filed bankruptcy, and now your friends and your family and everybody's looking at you saying you're a failure. You're not going to come back from that. And you're identifying yourself with the mistakes that you've made in your life. And we are stuck with a label based on our mistakes, based on how other people see us. And again, Rahab was stuck with the label of a prostitute. No matter how much she wanted to get away from it, that's how other people saw her. And she was stuck in this guilt and this shame and this condemnation and over and over and over again just replaying this cycle in her head. See, I don't think Rahab (laughs) woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm going to start a business. <laughs> I'm going to go into business for myself. <laughs> and I don't think that that's what happened. Just like in your life, I don't think that one day you woke up and said, I want to end up here, and you're in that position that you're in. It was because of mistakes that turned into behaviors that turned into how we identify ourselves. You know, the story of Rahab, it, it starts in Joshua, and I'm just going to go over and kind of paraphrase a, a few things. Um, so we find Rahab, she lives in a place called Jericho. And Jericho is like this incredible city. It's like the U.S. It's like this fortified city with this incredible army, this incredible, I don't know if it had incredible government, because that wouldn't be like the U.S. So in Je- yeah. So basically what's happening is the people in Jericho are hearing rumors about these people called the Israelites. And I don't know if you know who the Israelites, but they are people that God has rescued out of slavery. They were slaves in Egypt. Like, people were beating them. They were having them do all their dirty work. I mean, it was a bad situation for the Israelites. And what happened is God says, I want these Israelites to be free. So what he does through a series of events is he brings the Israelites out of captivity. He takes them away from the Egyptians. And they're running from the Egyptians 
to, to gain their freedom. And they come up against this thing called the Red Sea. There's basically no way around the Red Sea. They're stuck. Because back in Egypt, the Egyptians realized, oh crap, we just lost all of our manual labor. And so they're going to start chasing after the Israelites. And so they're at the Red Sea. The Egyptians are behind them. And God does a miracle. He parts the Red Sea in about, I mean, they think that it was probably 1.4 million Israelites, men. And so it was probably like 4 million people. So they walk through this part of the Red Sea that God opens up. And the Egyptian army is chasing behind them. And the last person steps onto dry land and God closes the waters and annihilates the Egyptian army. And so the people in Jericho are hearing what's happening. I mean, this is like a 40-year span and they just keep hearing rumors. So the Israelites get on the other side of the Red Sea and they're a bunch of slaves. But God uses them to overtake cities. He like, they conquer all of these things. They annihilate these cities. And the people in Jericho know what city's next, and that's their city. And they're like, oh, man, we've heard about these people. I don't know what we're going to do. And so what happens is Joshua, who's one of the leaders of the Israelites, he says, I'm going to send some spies into Jericho to see how we can take this thing down. And he sends these spies into Jericho. And when they get into Jericho, they, like, scope out the land. And then guess whose house they go to? Rahab. So they show up at the prostitute's house, and they knock on the door, and she knows who they are because they've heard rumors about them. And so she, he go, they go into their house, and Rahab has a nosy neighbor. Have you guys ever had a nosy neighbor? Exactly. So the nosy neighbor is looking in, or looking out at Rahab's house, and they're like, oh, girl, did you see who just went in her house? Those spies just went up into her house, and there is no secrets in Rahab's house, so I don't know what they're going to find. And so they start, she starts talking about Rahab and who's in her house. And then she calls the king, and she's like, hey, listen, those spies that we've been looking for, they're in Rahab's house. And the king's like, I know who Rahab is. And so he sends some spies to Rahab's house. Now, I think Rahab has a moment here, an opportunity, where she stands there and thinks, man, I've got these people in my house. God has given them victory after victory after victory. They used to be slaves, and now God's giving them all of this freedom. And then I have my life where I'm surrounded by these people that see me in this one way. They only see me as a prostitute. They only see me based on my mistakes. And I have a choice to make right now because the king's sending his men over. So what am I going to do? And the king's men get there, and they knock on the door. And they're like, Rahab, where's, where's the spies? And she's like, well, you know what? They were here, but they left so that they could get out of the city before the gates closed. And they went over the river and through the woods and to grandmother's house. And she, like, basically sends them on this wild goose chase, knowing that the spies are hiding in her house. Okay? So what Rahab did is she had to stop. She had to break the cycle. She had to make a different decision. And I think in order for you and I to break out of the cycle that we're in of mistake after mistake after mistake, we have to stop. We have to stop and we have to look at our situation and we have to be able to see something that's different. You know, when I was in high school, um, I had, I'd had a really good friend 
all through high school. He was like my best friend. And then our senior year, we decided to start dating. And I dated him my senior year and then a couple years after high school. And it started off really good. Things were going well. And then I started to make a couple bad decisions, and I ended up sleeping with the guy. And it started off as one mistake, and I felt terrible because I was like, oh, man, this was a dumb decision. I don't know why I did this. But then it started happening over and over and over again. And it just became of the pattern of our relationship. And you know what? Over time, that guy would look at me, and he would be like, you don't look like you used to. How come you don't act like that person? And he would just start demeaning me and demeaning me. And eventually, he started um, cheating on me with other girls. So he would go, and he'd be with this other girl, and I'd find out, and I'd call him. I'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. And I was like, okay. And I'd go back into the relationship. And it happened over and over and over and over again until the point where I saw my life as worthless. I said, I'm not valuable. This is all I deserve. And I labeled myself worthless because I thought that that's all I was worth. And some of you guys, you may look at your life and the cycle and the pattern you're in, and you may say, you know what? I'm only the sum of my mistakes. And we need to stop. And we need to believe something different about our life. You know, when I was in that pattern and that behavior, one day I went to church because that's what I was supposed to do. I was raised in the church, and I didn't really care about it, but I went because that's what I was supposed to do. And I was sitting in the back of church, and as I was sitting there at the end of service, I was getting ready to get up and leave, and all of a sudden I just broke down and started crying. And I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't take this anymore. This isn't who I want to be. I just don't understand. Now, I had said this many times before, like, I can't keep going in this cycle. But that day, something was different. And I stopped, and I was like, I won't. I won't do this anymore. I won't allow this to be my life. And I went home, and I picked up the phone, and I called the guy, and I was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I began to surround myself with other people that could tell me who I really was. And, you know, in, in Romans 12.2, it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And basically what Paul's saying is stop. Stop. Stop conforming to how other people view you. Stop conforming to viewing yourself of, of all of your mistakes and all of those things. Stop conforming yourself to look like what other people think you are. He's saying stop. Because that's not who you are. Stop conforming. Because here's the thing. When you stop chasing the wrong things, you give the right things an opportunity to catch you. Some of you guys have been chasing the wrong things for so long. You've been chasing after how people view you or what their opinion of you is. And you don't even know if there can be something better for your life because you've been chasing those things for so long. You've been chasing approval. You've been chasing for other people to see you differently. But I want to show you guys what happens in Rahab's life. In Joshua 2, 8 through 11, it says, Now they lay down. Basically, the spies are up in her house, and she's going to talk to them. And she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, I know 
that the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea and when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan. And Sihon, I don't know how to say these things, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart melted. Neither did there remain any courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. See, Rahab stops for a minute and she says, wait a second, I see all of this stuff that your God's done. God's given you the land. He's brought you out of slavery. I can see all of these things that he's done for you. For the Lord your God, he's God. And she says, your God is the real deal. And I've seen everything that he's done. And I wonder maybe if he can do that for me. And you know what happens in a couple verses later? She basically looks at these spies and she says, listen, I saved your life. Can you save mine? And in verse 14, she says, our life for yours. Well, the men say, our life for yours, says the men. But don't tell anyone our business. When God turns this land over to us, we'll do right by you in loyal mercy. See, when we stop the cycle in our life, when we stop doing the things that we've always done, and we begin to believe differently about ourselves and about our situation, then God begins to act. And see, Rahab saw people that were labeled slaves, and God brought them freedom. And she said, I wonder what God can do with my life if I trust and I believe. And the second thing that we have to do after we stop is we have to believe. We have to believe differently about our situation. See, Rahab chose to believe in a God that she didn't even know. She saw him active in other people's lives. She had never experienced him for herself, but she said, hey, wait. Maybe this God that's doing all of these things over here can bring me out of my mistakes, out of my failures. And in Romans 2, or Romans 12, 2, it's the continuation of the first part when Paul says, do not conform. And then he begins to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, look, you guys, stop conforming. Stop doing the same things you've done over and over again and begin to think differently. Begin to transform your mind. Begin to believe differently about your situation. Stop thinking that this is all you are. And begin to transform your thinking to believe that something better can come of your life. And maybe for you guys, all you see is what God's doing in other people's lives. Maybe all you see is, is God's doing this for this person or this person has a great life. I, I don't know why he doesn't do that for me. And you have to begin to believe in a God. See, Rahab saw a God that did miracles and believed that something could be different in her life. And I wonder what God can do in your life if you change how you believe about your situation. Because in order to change your position in life, you have to change your perspective. You have to look at things differently. You have to stop. You have to believe. For some of you guys, it may be the belief 
that, that Jesus loves you, that he has a plan for your life. Maybe you've been sitting here for a while and you're like, you know what, I don't know about this God thing. But today's the day that you say, I believe differently today. I'm going to trust in a God that I don't even know yet. And I'm going to believe that he has something different for my life. Maybe for you, it's, it's believing that, that you are not the sum of your mistakes. That it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. That maybe, just maybe, there's something better in your future. See, Rahab made a decision to stop the direction she was going. To believe in a God that she only saw active in other people's lives. And I believe that God wants to do something incredible in your life today. See, what happens later in the story is the Israelites do end up taking over Jericho. And they pretty much annihilate Jericho. But in Joshua 6, 5... It says, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent the spies to Jericho and she lived among the Israelites to this day. See, Rahab was brought out of the life that she was in, how people saw her, what people thought of her, and she transformed and she became a new person with a new people and people that saw her differently, that believed differently than what she believed. And earlier we were talking about how our mistakes lead to our behavior, which then lead to our identity. But see, when we start to believe differently about how our situation can turn out, then God begins to change things. He begins to shape things differently. And what happens then is our belief turns into our behavior, which brings change in our life. Because the third thing that we have to do is change. See, we can't just talk about changing we can't just think about changing. We have to do something. And in James 2, 24 and 25, it says, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not faith alone. See, it's not enough just to believe that your situation can be different. You have to act. You have to do something. It says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. See, Rahab didn't just believe, she acted. And some of you guys today, you need to understand that we can, we can keep talking about doing something different in our life. We can keep talking about how we want to get out of our situation, but until we do something, it's not going to change. I heard Andy Stanley say this one time. Direction, not intention, leads to destination. See, we can intend all day long to be in a different position in life, but until you do something to change that, nothing's going to happen. See, we can talk all day long about how we want a better marriage and, and we want God to do something in our marriage, but all we're doing is working or hanging out with our kids and we're not investing in our husband or in our wife. So you can intend all day long to have, have a better marriage, but guess what? It's not going to happen because you're not investing in that. You can intend all day long to get rid of the addiction that's in your life. But if you continue to take yourself to the same old places that you've always been that feed that addiction, guess what? The addiction will still be there. Because direction, not intention, leads to destination. It's kind of like this. You know what? You get in the car and you tell everybody, I'm driving to Georgia. 
driving to Georgia, and then you start driving towards the Keys. And they're like, I thought you were going to Georgia. And you're like, I am going to Georgia. And you're like, no, you're going to the Keys. That's what we do so many times in life, is we say, this is where I want to be. But the direction we're going is completely different from the destination that we want to end up at. Maybe some of you guys, it's, it's the fact like, oh, I want to be married. I want to find that person for my life. I would ask you, what are you doing now? What are you doing now to prepare for that? Are you dating everybody that comes along? Are you sleeping around? What are you doing to prepare yourself for the life that you want to have? Because direction, not intention, leads to destination. And if you want to be somewhere different, you have got to change some things in your life. Because the result we're getting in our life is the result that, that we're set up to get. And if you want a different result, you have got to change some things. You have got to stop looking at yourself like the sum of your mistakes. In Acts 3.19, it says, Now is the time to change your ways. Turn to face God so that he can wipe your sins away. Pour out showers of blessing to refresh you. See, God's just waiting. He's waiting for you. He's saying, I'm right here. I want to do something incredible in your life. I'm waiting. All you have to do is turn around. You know, Rahab, the label she wore of a prostitute, God put her in the faith hall of fame because of what she did. 26 generations after Rahab, in the lineage of Rahab, Jesus was born. Rahab was the great-grandmother of King David. Great things came out of that woman who had a sin-drenched past. And I wonder what God can do in your life. If you begin to change, if you begin to believe differently about your life, what things does God want to do in you? What labels do you need to shed from your life this morning? Here's what I know about labels. The only person that has a right to label something is the manufacturer or the owner. You know what, I can't walk up to a can of spaghetti and say, this is corn, because I didn't make that. And here's what I know, is that God, the one that owns you, the one that made you, the one that created you, is the only one that can label you. And today, what God wants to do is he wants to say, you know what? I know you made mistakes. I know you did all of those things, but here's who I say you are. I said you're forgiven. And he begins to cover up those labels. He said, you know what? I don't care what's been done before because you're accepted. I don't care what everybody else says about you. I don't care what your mistakes say because I love you no matter what. And God wants to change the labels that we have placed on ourselves. He wants to peel those things away and give you a new label this morning. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. 
for more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.